Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, Today we begin a new new series. It's an eight-week series uh, towards a generous life. That's the title of the series, A Generous Life. This is what we're going to be doing in groups. We're going to talk about how do we, how many would love to live a more generous life? Okay, most of some of you, part of you. Okay, we'll work on that, okay? But we're in a series on, on eight weeks of a generous life. And on Easter, I spoke about that we serve a generous Savior. Don't we serve a generous Savior? We do. And I, I shared four points. I just want to highlight those just to remind us today as we enter into how we can live a generous life. You know what? Jesus offered the most generous sacrifice that we could ever have. He offered his own life. He was our sacrifice. Jesus offered the most generous covenant you could ever imagine. He, he offers a covenant that was established that would, that by faith alone. There's a lot of ways that you could have had to work out your salvation. You could have had to do all these different things. But no, no, Jesus said, I'm coming. I'm dying for your sins. I'm going to be resurrected. And if you have faith in me, faith alone is the covenant that I want from you. And so guess what? What does faith do for each and every person? It makes it available for all. Everybody can have faith. And then Jesus offered the most generous invitation ever, where he said, whosoever, you preach my message again there, Latasha, whosoever believeth in him, I love having you back here in the front seat, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. Not, not all, a few, whosoever. And then Jesus offered a generous abundance. He didn't offer us a limited life. He offered us eternal life. Think about that thought alone. Eternal life in the presence of God. Everything about Jesus, everything about our Heavenly Father is generous. And if we are called to be like Jesus, then guess what? We are called to live a generous life. I'm not going to ask for people to find out if they agree with me, but we'll get there, okay? In Luke chapter 6, Jesus shares some very famous words, and I want to read them to you today. Start in verse 38. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. Does that sound generous to you? Sounds generous to me. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Give, and you will receive. Many times this scripture, and I've used it myself, is used in offerings and finances during when we take offering or when we worship the Lord in our offerings, we use this scripture, and, and I think for the most part it's appropriate. But the context of this scripture really is dealing at a time where, where, the, where, where Jesus is saying, don't be judgmental. It's really dealing with a time of don't be judgmental and learn how to forgive. And with the same amount that you forgive, guess what? I'm going to forgive. I'm going to give, 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 give. The principle being given really applies to every area of our life. And I'm going to be talking about principles today because the title of my message message today is Generosity Positions Us. Generosity positions us to be blessed. And we're going to go here. And if you're, I'm just going to clear clear the air real quick, okay? If you're a guest with us today, I don't preach on finances every week. But today I'm going to be touching on finances. 
I'm going to be touching on generosity. In fact, there's times as a pastor I forget to take offering. That's where I'm at sometimes because I just get so excited about what God is doing. But guess what? The Bible is full of scriptures about God's, about finances. And so we need to talk about this area. And so don't get freaked out as I'm sharing about that. I want you to actually increase your faith. But give and you will receive. And many times this scripture is used in different contexts. But the idea in this scripture is that God rewards givers. That's the bottom line. Give and you will receive. God rewards givers. And he says, press down, shaking together, and running over. That phrase really refers to a farmer who's putting grain or wheat into a bag or into a basket. And if you've ever put something in a bag, have you ever done this where you put something in there and then you start to shake it so that you can start making room so you can put a little bit more into that bag, right? And you start to shake it and then you press down the garbage can. It's something I do, like that recycle bin. So, So I start pressing it down so I can make room for more. This is the illustration that Jesus has given us. If we are generous, if we're going to give, guess what? God is going to give back. Press down, shaking together. And it gives this illustration of a person sitting down. And in his lap is a basket or a bag. And guess what? It's running over. Now, you can... Argue with me all you want, but all I'm doing is preaching God's word right now. Can I get one more amen? Okay, thank you very much. Your container in this scripture says your container container won't won't even be able to contain the blessing that God's going to give you. It's an image of God's generosity. It's an image of God's abundance. And we as a church are a generous church. And I want us to continue to get this into our spirit. See, it leads to a principle, and I'm going to share two principles with you today of how we can live a generous life. It leads to a principle that's referred to as sowing and reaping, and you can find it throughout the Bible. It's, sowing and reaping is really a never, another reference to farming. What you sow is what you reap. The Apostle Paul references this idea in Galatians chapter 6 where he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So if you plant corn, what are you going to get? Thank you. If you plant seed for wheat, what are you going to get? Wheat. So it is in our lives. If we plant love, we're going to get returned love. If we plant forgiveness, guess what? We're going to get returned back forgiveness. If we plant resources, guess what? God's going to continue to give us resources. The thing that so many people don't understand and don't recognize in this passage of Scripture, it can go the opposite way as well. If you plant greed, guess what? You can receive greed back. If you plant unforgiveness, guess what? You can receive unforgiveness back. If you plant hate, guess what? You can receive hate back. This is what the Scripture is saying. This is what Jesus is saying. Guess what? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying in Galatians 6, 8. From the scripture, what Jesus says, given will be given unto you. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shares some very difficult words. These are some of the most difficult words in scripture. And sometimes we just blow right past them. But but it goes along with this whole idea of sowing and reaping. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 15. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. How many of us have ever held on to unforgiveness before? 
yeah. Jesus says, you need to start forgiving because I have forgiven you everything. You see, when we put things in perspective, when we understand what Jesus is telling us to do, when we're willing to sow the right things, guess what? We're going to reap good things. Jesus not only wants us to be generous, but he wants us to sow good seed. Here's another example in the Bible regarding the principle of sowing and reaping. And I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today, so just hang in with me today. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is preparing to receive an offering for the Jerusalem church. And he goes to the church in Corinth and he says, hey, we need to take an offering for the church in Jerusalem. They're in need. I, don't want, to, I want to be able to bless them. I want to take this gift to the, to the church and help them out. And so he shares this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 10. And I want you to just listen to these words. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And then verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Have you ever thought about that? God is your provider. In the same way, he will provide the increase, increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. This principle of sowing and reaping is the biblical truth and it's revealing how generosity positions you towards greater blessings. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel today. I'm not preaching that whatever you give, you're going to get in that sense, in the sense that, because if our heart is not right, there's other scriptures that talk about we have to have a heart that desires to give, a heart that is right with God. But when we are willing to give because we want to help others, we are willing to give because we want to be a blessing to the church. We want to, God sees that heart. I think one of the major problems in society today is how we define prosperity. We have a very narrow, narrow perspective. We so many times, and I do the same thing, so if you're with me, join me in the crowd. We define prosperity only from a monetary basis. And in doing so, we miss many of the wonderful blessings that God has for us. Let me make a statement, and then you guys can decide if this is true or false, okay? There are many rich people in this world who are not prosperous. True or false? If you disagree with me, which is okay, if you disagree with my statement, you probably disagree because you define prosperous, prosperity or prosperous as wealthy. But if you agree with me, then you probably define prosperous as flourishing. For example, we see it in TV every day. We see it on the news. We see it in Twitter. We see it on Instagram accounts, whatever else. We see all on a regular basis Hollywood actors and actresses who are very wealthy, but they are not flourishing. They are miserable. They're suing one, other, one another in court. They're, they're, it's, it's a crazy, they're not happy, and yet they're wealthy. As a Christian, prosperity should never be limited to riches. Prosperity should be defined as God's blessings over our lives. For instance, there are people who are wealthy that would give millions of dollars to find peace and joy and happiness. They bought into that, and there's nothing wrong with money, by the way. I'm just, we're going to hit that in a second. 
But they bought in this lie that wealth and money is, is where they're going to find happiness. So they serve that. And God, we're going to get to a scripture that talks about we can't serve money. And they start serving money. I, I just, I feel like i got to go off course here. Does anyone have a $5 bill, $10 bill, $100 bill, whatever? I'm not giving it back, so whatever you, no, I'm just teasing. Someone have something? Baby, you got something? Thank you. Can I keep it, love? No. I can't? Because I, I just, I don't know, I feel like I just go, need to go off course here. Because you start talking about money, everybody freaks out. Everybody see this? What is that? $20 bill. When God gives us resources, we become stewards of his resources. When that $20 bill hits my palm of my hand, I have the decision to make, what do I do with that $20 bill? Now, I can, I can do something with it that makes a difference in this world, that makes a difference in the lives of others. I can buy food with it so it feeds our family. You know, there's a lot of things we can do with this. But this money is just a piece of paper. But it doesn't, it doesn't reflect anything until it gets put into the hand of a person. And then once it's put into my hand, it's going to reflect who I am. If it's put into someone else's hand, it's going to reflect who they are. If you look at my checkbook, it's going to reflect who I am. If you look into someone, do you, does that make sense? See, money is just a resource that God gives us. But so many times what we do is we start to put our faith and our, and our trust in money instead of in God. I just, I needed to bring that out. And what happens with Hollywood actors or, or whoever it is, let's, not, let's just not beat up on Hollywood. Let's beat up on the church. Anybody in the church, when we start looking at money to be, find our happiness, guess what? We'll be disappointed. See, I would argue that true prosperity is the ability to grow in joy, peace, wisdom, love, faithfulness, goodness. Prosperity can be the ability to think rightly. The ability to live every day under God's grace. Prosperity doesn't have to be a hurried life. It can be a simple life filled with God's blessings. Don't write this down. Don't let the world define your prosperity. Allow God's word to define your prosperity. Some of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life have not come from wealth or from money. They've come from other things that God has blessed me in my life. And this is the second thing. It doesn't mean that God can't bless you with money. And it doesn't mean that God can't use money in and through your life. Money doesn't have to be a bad thing. What it says is for the love of money. We, if we love money, that's an issue. Because we love only God in that sense. That our one and true love is God. But we start loving money. That's where it becomes the issue. God, man, he, in fact, there's parable after parable after parable in the Bible talks about money because God understands that resources can be used to further his kingdom. And he's going to give resources to those who honor him. But don't limit God's prosperity to only finances. One of the greatest blessings in my life is knowing that, and I, I just share this because I think we need to understand what prosperity can be. One of the greatest blessings in my life, and this is a true statement, is just knowing that I'm in the center of God's will. I've been out of the center of God's will. I don't know what I feel like in that. And when I become in the center of God's will, I know what that feels like. That's prosperity to me. That's a blessing. Yeah. Through the years, it gives me peace. 
just gives me a peace in my life. But through the years, God has consistently challenged Annette and I uh, to step out in faith with our finances. Even though at times when God has called us to step out in faith, and I, 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 it's like we've been a part of, what, five or six building programs through all the churches that we've been. We, we have never just tithed. We've been giving to building programs for years. When I got to this church, I thought, thank goodness it's not in the building program because I, you know. But I share all that because there's been times in our lives, in other areas, not just building programs, but giving to people and, and being... There's been times where God's challenged me and it's like, God, it scares me. It's like, that's a lot of money, Lord. You're asking for it. But I know, I know that I know that I know if God is calling me to give, and I want you to get this idea because it positions us to greater generosity in your life. When God calls you to do something, if you're willing to step out in faith and do it, God will bless you. Annette and I, that has been proven to Annette and I every single time, over and over again. And I see God's blessing, blessings follows generosity. Generosity is a gateway to God's favor, is a gateway to God's favor. Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why is giving more blessed? Because I believe it requires faith. All through the Bible, God uses money or possessions as a way of testing our faith. Hang in with me here. There's a lot of information coming today, but just take it in because it will lead you to a more generous life. Do we put our trust in God first or do we put our trust in possessions first? I have to ask myself that on a regular basis. It's interesting. The Bible contains over 2,000 scriptures on the topic of finances or possessions. Out of 38 parables that are written in, the, in, in God's word, in the Gospels, 16 of them deal with possessions or finances. Why? Why? Because God knows it's an area that we're going to struggle in. Because we want to put our faith in possessions instead of in God. Today I share this message because I'm not trying to coerce you out of more money. I'm just, and I hope you know my heart. That's not me. We have faithful givers, tithers in this church, and we are a prosperous church. And they know as they give that God's just going to continue to bless them because they're stepping out in faith and doing as God's calling them to do. So I'm not trying to curse you out of money. What I'm trying to get everybody into is the blessings of God. And the blessings of God will follow generosity in your life. Give and it will be given to you. I share today's message to reveal principles found within the Bible that are there to bless you. And, and for me, I struggle with it at times because I don't always like to talk about the, money of, uh, the topic of money. But at the same scenario on that, I would be a horrible pastor if I didn't preach the truth of God's word. The principle of sowing and reaping is a principle that positions you for greater blessings in your life. That's the first principle. Hopefully you wrote that down, sowing and reaping. The second principle I want to share with you today is this. And it's a principle of first fruits. And I don't know, some of you maybe have never heard that thought, first fruits. And I think this principle is really, this is my statement. You could argue with me and that's fine. But I think this, is, this principle is really what led uh, the, the concept of tithing that is derived from the Bible. It's a life-changing pr principle that positions us towards living a generous life. And let me walk down some thoughts for you. I want you to grab a hold of this. In the Old Testament law, the principle of the first fruits... Applied to your firstborn child, firstborn animals, 
your first of your, all your crops, the first of any increase that you ever received, you were supposed to give this, this first fruit offering. The first always belonged to God. Amen. So listen to the following scripture in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2. He says, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. The Old Testament law required that the firstborn to be given to God. So the firstborn was, was either sacrificed or, catch this, it was either sacrificed or it was redeemed. Let me give you a couple examples. Firstborn children would either be brought to the priest and at, at the temple and they'd be given to serve within the temple or the parents could actually redeem them by giving an offering to the church that would redeem that child so that that child would not have to stay um, at the temple. I know some of you are getting ideas right now. My firstborn, I can give it to the church. No, you cannot give the firstborn to our church, okay? So you keep your firstborn. It's not going to happen. Okay. Old Testament. Another example uh, is the firstborn of every animal would be offered to the Lord through sacrifice. And if the animal was blemished or was considered unclean, they would sacrifice a clean and spotless lamb to redeem the firstborn. Now, I'm going somewhere, so you need to follow with me with this, because it really, this impacts your life as a follower of Christ. Now, did you catch that? If it was an unclean animal, if it was an animal that was blemished, then a clean animal, a spotless lamb, would be, would be sacrificed on its behalf to redeem the unclean animal. Let's apply this thought to the scripture that we find in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. Where John the Baptist sees Jesus walking and declares, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Can we say that together? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What is that referencing? That, that idea is referencing the whole idea of sacrifice. In the Old Testament law, it was revealing the mission of Jesus. When you read the Old Testament, I want you to remember something. Old Testament always points to the New Testament. Old Testament always points to what is coming, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Old Testament was revealing the mission of Jesus. You see, each and every one of us are born unclean. Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. None of us are worthy of God's glory. Therefore, God sent his what? Firstborn son as a sacrifice to redeem us back to him. He purchased us back. See, the whole Old Testament law was that. Where, where we were purchasing back the animals that were the firstborn. that were in, We had purchased them back with a spot. Jesus was a sacrifice that was made to redeem us back to our heavenly father. The principle of the first fruits is the first belongs to God. And Jesus was God's first fruits offering to us. He redeemed us back. This principle of first fruits, everything belongs to God, means that our very best belongs to God. Not our seconds, not our thirds, not our fourths. God did not send his second, third, or fourth. God sent his first, the best, to redeem us. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 writes about the subject of Jesus' resurrection and our resurrection. I want you to listen to verse 23 because I think it's really powerful. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, 
then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. It talks about the first again. It references the first fruit, that Jesus is God's first fruit. And through Jesus, we are positioned for redemption. God demonstrated his love for us. We know the scripture here in Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, it shows that whole idea of sacrifice. It takes great faith to give your first and your only. If I came to you today and you have one car, or if you have one house, or if you have one child, I say, you need to give that one thing up. I know it's your only, but you need to get. Think about the faith that it took to do that. God gave his only son for each and every one of us. There's a crazy story in the Bible. It's a story of when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. It's one of the crazy stories because we, we live in a culture we don't believe in human sacrifice. That's not... It's like, wait, whoa, where, you're, where are you going, Pastor Tom? But this story's in the Bible where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. It's a story that really displays Abraham's great faith in God. And the story of Abraham and Isaac was a demonstration of what God would really do for us. It's really a foretaste of what was going to happen by when God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. In the story with Abraham and Isaac, what's amazing was that God provided a lamb that was caught in the bush and said, hey, Abraham, that lamb, use that lamb as a sacrifice because it's going to redeem your son. But in the story with Jesus, guess what? There was no ram caught in the thicket. Jesus was the lamb of God that became the sacrifice for our sins. It's It's an amazing story and it represents the principle called first fruit. God didn't give us leftovers. God gave us the very best. God doesn't want your leftovers. God wants your very best. I said it. God doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your very best. Not just in money. He wants your very best in every area of your life. Every area of your life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 states these words. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That translation of that Hebrew word produce, probably a better translation for us today because we think of produce, we think of vegetables, we think of those type of things, but the better one would be increase yield or harvest. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your increase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. One of the stories, and I'm just kind of going down this list of things because I want us to live a generous life. And this is kind of starting off this series. One of the stories that always bothered me as a kid was the story of Cain and Abel. I think it was because I had this little children's Bible, and it was a pictorial Bible. And there was pictures in the Bible. And there was one of where Jesus was whipping. Whoever created that Bible, I want to go back to them and... I was a little kid. I was not ready for Jesus whipping people, okay? But that's, it shows us, uh, man, Jesus. I, it's weird what we put in our mindset because I, when I was little, I kind of thought Jesus was mean because I saw that picture of Jesus whipping the people at the temple. Jesus must be mean. But the other picture in that Bible, it was, all, it was a very violent Bible. I got to figure out that. <laughs> the other picture in that Bible was when uh, Cain had this stone, and he's hitting his brother Abel. 
And I thought, that's not nice. Why is he doing that? And, and those things kind of just get impressed on you as a, as a little kid. And so when I was growing up, I never understood the, the story of Cain and Abel. I just struggled with it. I never understood why Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God, but Cain's was not. Cain's sacrifice was rejected. And, and, and it didn't make sense. And I remember someone saying to me one time that the reason that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was not because Abel's was an animal sacrifice and Cain's was not. But if we read in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, three through five I think we discover a different reason. And follow along with me here as I read this scripture. When it, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And if you follow along the rest of that story, you know eventually what happens is because of the jealousy in Cain's heart, he ends up killing his brother Abel. But did you notice in that passage of Scripture, Cain's offering was never mentioned as the first portion of his crops. Do you have that Scripture still up? Let's go. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift. Sounds like leftovers. He didn't present. Can you imagine? Let's say Annette and I invited you over for dinner tonight. How many would like to come over to, our, to dinner tonight for, at our house? Thank you. Okay, okay. We're going to invite some people over for dinner. Those who didn't raise your hand, you missed out. Okay. So, Vernon and Karen, we're going to invite you over for dinner because you raised your hand. You come over for dinner tonight to our house. When you get there, the table's not set. There's no plates around. We have some paper plates on the counter, some plastic forks. And then Annette and I, or Annette starts to rum around. She opens up the refrigerator and she starts rummaging around in the refrigerator finding last week's leftovers. And, well, those are, smells pretty good. And we start dishing that out on the plate. How would you feel if I invited you over and I didn't give you the first or the best, but just the leftovers? You see, all of a sudden, this <clears throat> with Cain and Abel. Could it be that Abel, when he brought his crops, he, well, these are, and he brought the leftovers to God. And God just said, that's not good. I'm not going to. Yet when it comes to Abel, it says that Abel, in that scripture, it says that Abel brought the best of the firstborn lambs. God desires a generous people. God doesn't want leftovers. God wants our best. And I believe this is the reason, for one of the reasons why, and I believe, and you might, just, like I said, if you disagree, that's okay. I believe that tithe is still present in our lives today. Because I believe, for me at least, what it does, it helps me to always remember to put God first in my life. I give my first 10% to God. Of any of my increase, I say, God, this is yours. Because I want God to always be first in my life. And, and, and Annette and I have practiced that most of our married life. Tithing is a way for me to give to God my very best 
the first 10% of my income. I don't wait, and I want you to catch this because I think if we want to live a generous life for God, then we've got to catch this idea. I don't wait till I pay my mortgage payment, my car payment, my visa payment, and then whatever else, which I don't have a visa payment, by the way, so FYI. But um, I don't wait till I pay all those things. That, oh, yeah, I got enough to give to God. I'm, I'm not going to be a cane. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give, Lord, I'm going to give you first. Then I'm going to give the rest. And then at that point in my life, I know 100% God can bless me. Not just financially. God can bless every area of my life. And I become a prosperous person because God knows that I am putting him first. Not just in my time, but I am putting him first in my... I could very easily say, you know what, I, man... I'm a pastor. I work at the church all the time. Why do I always give my finances? I mean, come on, seriously? I do all. No, no, no. I want every area of my life to honor God. I'm going to bring my best. I'm going to bring my first. I'm not going to see if I have enough left over God. And the thing that this requires that is so good for each and every one of us, it requires faith. Giving is sacrifice and it requires faith. I know this message might be challenging, but I got to share the principle that works. God blesses generosity, blesses obedience. If a bank deserves my mortgage payment because they've loaned me money so I could buy a house, how much more does God deserve the very best of my life if he's given me, if he's created me, and he's given me the air in my lungs to breathe, and he's given me his son Jesus who died and redeemed me from my sins. He deserved my very best. So Mr. Cooper, who owns my mortgage, be prepared. And then I, I, I just keep, I'm almost done, so don't get freaked out. Thank you, Latasha. Thank you. I remember there was a time, and and I just, I'm trying to be transparent because I just want us to get this in our hearts. There was a time in our lives where we were, we were actually, I'll just share it, we were living in Vegas, and we moved to Vegas, and we took a 33% pay cut to go there, and everything was more expensive, and the kids went out of private school, which we had them into public school at that point, and and it was all good, it was wonderful, Um, but I remember being in the church at that point, and uh, I remember... Every month, we, we, were, we were going to give. We were going to give our tithes. We were going to give. And every month, we were giving. And every month, we were having to pull $1,000 out of savings just to cover the other expenses because we were, that was going to be a non-negotiable for us. And I think we had twelve or 13000 in savings. And, and so we were moving that forward. And, and we got down to, like, the last two. Start getting nervous. You start really praying now. Lord. I'm getting down here. I got three little kids. I got to feed. What's going to happen? But I kept giving. And God blessed. He opened up the, I believe he opened the floodgates of heaven over us. And we were more blessed at that period of our life in Vegas than I think we've ever been blessed. Because I think it was a challenge of faith that God wanted us to step out in faith. And not put trust in our resources. Not put trust in the things that man made. But put trust in him. For some of this, for some of you here today... Is speaking into your heart right now. Let me share another passage of scripture and then we're going to end. Found in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi was a prophet of God and his name means messenger. And Malachi was called by God to give a message of repentance to the people of Israel. And I want you to listen to God's challenge to the Israelites starting in verse 8 of Malachi 3. And this is one of those tough passages of scriptures again. He said, should people cheat God? 
yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me, God is responding back. You have cheated me on the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, catch us, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. See, God was challenging the Israelites in their lives because he recognized that they weren't putting him first in their life. In fact, the Lord states, you have cheated me. That's hard. When's the last time you've told someone that you've cheated me? Think of what the Lord's words are. You have cheated me. And in doing so, not only have you cheated me, but by doing so, you're under a curse. Your whole nation is under a curse. And then the Lord says, but if you put me first, I will pour out blessings upon you. And you can read that scripture in a negative way. And I've read that scripture in a negative way for years. Or you can read that scripture in a positive way, understanding that God was trying to shift Israel into his blessings. He was trying to bring Israel back into his blessings. He says, you're currently, guys, wake up. You're under a curse because you're not putting me first. You're putting everything else first in your life. You're putting your possessions, you're worshiping idols that you shouldn't be worshiping that are handmade. Put me first in your life and watch what will happen. Do it right now with your possessions. Watch what will happen. I will pour out a blessing upon your life. This is the only place in the entire Bible where God says to test him. And isn't it interesting that it has to do with money and possessions? God wanted his Israelites to remember that he was their provider. He provided their land. He provided their crops. He provided the rain. He provided their protection. God doesn't want second position. He wants first position in our life. Giving, tithing, whatever you want to call it, first fruits, whatever is in your heart, you know what God's calling you to do. And what God says is step out. He's calling you. Recognize that he is your provider. By the way, tithing, giving, first fruits is not your ticket to heaven. We're going to be surprised one day. The only way into heaven is through Jesus Christ, our faith in him, in him alone. But the possessions of this world can get in your way. Don't let them get in your way. Bottom line, God wants all of our trust in him. God doesn't just want a portion. God wants all of you. That's how much he loves you. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was teaching about money and possession. He states, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God doesn't want just a portion of your trust or loyalty. He wants all of you. It speaks to how much God loves you. He doesn't want a portion. He wants all of you. If you really love something, you don't want just a portion of it. You want all of it. Right? You know, I can't keep ice cream in my house anymore. Can't. Right, babe? You know why I can't keep ice cream in my house? Because I don't want just a spoonful. I want the whole half gallon. 
I'd be the skinny guy with his big old belly in front walking around. It's not good to look for me. I don't gain weight except right here. It's not going to happen. So I don't have the ice cream because I, I love it too much. I want. By the way, can I just tell you something? There is no such thing as a half gallon anymore. Just FYI. If you read it, it's 1.5 quarts. You know, they keep making the package smaller, but they don't reduce the price. That's for a whole other message that I can preach on another day. It makes me so mad. They just keep reducing it. Go, Wait a minute, where's my ice cream going? But God knows I don't need the ice cream. See, God wants to be the ice cream of your life. I shared this in the past. You know, if you, how many like Cold Stone ice cream? Have you ever been to Cold Stone? Yeah. Do you remember the three sizes? Like it, love it, gotta have it. Jesus wants you to, he wants to be the gotta have it. He wants, he doesn't want to be liked. He doesn't, he wants to be the gotta have it. I gotta have it. He wants to be the all in your life. That's the message today. If you want to understand how to live a generous life, I'm not, the next eight weeks, I'm not going to be speaking on just finances. It's not going to, I'm speaking about generosity of our life. But I had to lay down the foundation of this because this applies more than just to money. It applies to every area of our life. What are we going to give to God first in our life? And if we're willing to sacrifice, if we're willing to give, God says, I will pour out a blessing upon you that you won't even be able to contain. I don't know about you. I've already done it. I've tested it. I've seen that it's true. And I'm going to continue to test it in my life. And not really testing it. It's not testing it. I just, I just do it because I love God. And that's where God wants us to be. We're, he, wants us, he wants himself to be first in our life, in every area of our life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void. But Lord, you are faithful. And we are blessed because of the faithfulness that you have in our lives. I pray for each and every one of us today, Lord. Sometimes when we talk about things that are close to us, it gets difficult. Money can be very close to us. <laughs> it's one of the closer things to us because it, it's an instrument that you have used and that you give us that provides for us. And sometimes we forget, Lord, and I just want to ask for your forgiveness, Lord God, over all of us. Sometimes we forget, Lord God, it's not money that provides for us, it's you that provides for us. Help us never get that confused in our lives. That, Lord God, that you are our provider, that you are our resource, that you are our blessing, that you are all in all, that you are everything in our life. And, God, we today, I just declare it over our church. I declare it over every person here today. God, we surrender all to you. We give all to you, Lord God. In our hearts, in our lives, Lord God, we want you to have complete control. Lead us, guide us, direct us, Lord God. So, Lord God, we can live a life of generosity that goes way beyond anything that we could have ever imagined or hoped for. But God, that you put us in a place, Lord God, where, Lord God, we will do what you have called us to do. And Lord God, in that, we will, Lord God, be blessed and we will continue to be generous. Lead us, God, I pray, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. 
Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.